In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. by asking you what your thoughts are on different types of androids and robots. Mm -hmm. This week, Amy, my question to you is, if the world were about to end, Yikes, Kay. Would you want to know that it's about to end? Uh, No. Okay. That's like a very quick answer. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I don't know if you can tell, (laughs) but I'm a pretty indecisive person and I kind of hem and haw about lots of things. Sure. I think if I knew that piece of information, it would make me feel like I had to do something about it. And not do something about it in the sense that, like, I could save it from happening because that ain't happening. Mm. But that I would be like, oh, shit, I got to, like, do my bucket list or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I think I'd rather not know because, you know, and I don't think people should know. I think it's, what was, what movie is it? Mm, I think it's like Armageddon or something where they're like, well, why don't we just tell everybody there's an asteroid coming towards Earth? And they were like, yeah, because people are stupid. And they're like, um, no, people aren't stupid. Uh, I'm not stupid. And the person is like, no, human, like a person is not stupid. People as a whole are right, stupid. Right, Um. So point being... I don't think it would go well if, like, the entirety of humanity were to know that that was coming. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure this particular episode that we're going to talk about this week doesn't indicate whether Earth as a whole has been notified that there's this impending doom coming. Um, Yeah. Although, if an entire fleet is operationalized... I feel like people are going to notice that and then presume some things from that information. Sure. And I think if, like, you know, the smart ones among us figured it out, um, you know, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. But, like, the the common denominator type people, uh, I feel like could just make it worse. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know... Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, if it's a slow-moving, the er- the world is ending, 
then people might be like, ah, I want to like, as you say, like, I want to go see the sunset in Paris, like, or whatever. Right. Um, but if it's like the earth is ending in two hours, um, I guess there's not much you can fucking do at that point. Well, no, but I think that's the thing is like, either way, you're going to have a certain amount of chaos, no matter what the timeline is. But I think the shorter the timeline, the more you're going to get into that just weird like looting and everybody going nuts because it's like, I mean, up to a point. Like if it's like the earth's sending in 10 minutes, like there's not much trouble anybody can get into in 10 minutes. Um, But, uh, and by the way, humanity, that is not a challenge. Don't go out there (laughs) and try and see how creepy you can be in 10 minutes. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, if I were told the earth is ending tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, cool. I guess guess. there's nothing, (laughs) like, there's nothing I can, truly, there's nothing I can do. Um, I mean, I guess I would maybe have like a really kick-ass dinner tonight. Like, yeah. Oh, I think that's that's again where my mind goes to, but like. Yeah, I mean, but even, like, some people might say, oh, I would try and get to, like, my nearest family member or something. Uh, um, in my case, I'd be I like... I'm not as nice as that. <laughs> in my case, I'm like, there is... N- like, I would spend that day, like, Traveling. getting to see someone for the final five minutes to be like, hello. Bye. <laughs> and that would Hi, be it. I got here just in time to say bye. Um, but if it was like the earth is ending in 18 months, then it's like, oh. Yeah, that's another story. Okay. Um, that's a bit of a different situation. Um, but so hello, everyone. I am Sarah <laughs> Walsh. I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh, as always. And I know we often start out with these like, a bit of a head scratcher kind of opening (laughs) gambits, let's say. Um, But Amy, why don't you say what we're talking about this week? And perhaps that will help to explain why this was the question I opened with. (laughs) So we're talking about, um, this is our second, uh, part two of the episode. We're talking about the show The Orville or the Orville, whatever. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm but, not sure either. Um, the, this is Identity Part 2 is the name of the episode. And um, we're going into where we left off in the episode one is that the um, Kalon are taking over the Orville ship and they are their mission is to exterminate all biological life forms that are not themselves. Correct. And the purpose or the reason that's so is because, one, the Kalons want to expand into the galaxy. And two, the Kalons' past is that they were created, as most artificial life is, they were created by biological life forms. And we don't know the full backstory quite yet, but what has been revealed in the pre- at the end of the previous episode is that eventually, from the Kalon perspective, coexistence with their creators became impossible. And so the Kalons decided to eradicate all of them um, to the tune of 
like billions of people that got killed at some stage in the past of mm-hmm. the Kalon planet. And so that is where we pick up in identity part two. Um, and specifically the crew of the Orville has been kept. So the, like the final scenes of the last episode are where the Orville is being boarded by Kalon um, yep. and is being taken over and the crew is being taken captive. Right. So we open up this episode in the shuttle bay with all of the crew uh, together. They've been put into the shuttle bay. And all of them are like, well, why are we still alive? Um, because mm-hmm. they, the Kalons have made it very clear that the whole point is to kill us. <laughs> so, yeah. so what is happening here? Um, and we, as. Yeah, and I would say, in that, a certain, in, in a certain sense, kind of my point of like um not wanting to know if the world was ending it's like if you're telling me you're gonna kill me but like you're waiting to kill me until later i don't want that like i want either like you kill me right now or you don't kill me right like you don't get to be like i'm gonna kill you but i'm gonna kill you in like a little bit yeah (laughs) yeah i don't want to have like a grace period of like thinking it over yeah, um, that doesn't help. Unless in that grace period you're going to change your mind, maybe. But, like, if your mind is made up, just kill me now. Like, Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. So, um, <laughs> but because these are, they're not Star Trek people. They're not Starfleet. But they are the Planetary Union. So they don't think like you and I. They have been trained. Just not. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well... I guess let's not worry about like why we're still alive. We are still alive, which means that gives us, and I, this is a lesson in like not toxic positivity, I would say, which is like, (laughs) there's still time to do something because we are Mm -hmm. alive. So let's see if we can come up with some sort of plan, um, to save ourselves and even better save earth. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to think of a plan. Meanwhile, little baby Ty is like, why don't we get Isaac? Isaac will help us. And everyone is like, no, you dumb dumb. Dude. He won't. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> why has everything that's Poor happened thing. up until now not told you that he is not going to help? Um, but Ty is like really committed to the notion that he will. Um And so because of that, he like runs off as a small child is wont to do. And he like runs up to the Kalons that are guarding them. And he's like, I want to speak to Isaac. I want to speak to Isaac. And in the like shuffle and hubbub of this, Tala, the security officer, gets shot. And so then Claire says like to the Kalons who are guarding them, can I please take her to sickbay? She's hurt. I need to do that. And so like, okay, fine. Um... And so she, Tala is a, I forget the name of the species that she is, um, but they're uh, like uniquely strong. So she turns out to be fine. Um, But Isaac is in sick bay while Claire is taking care of Tala. And basically this is an opportunity for Claire to yell at Isaac and be like, what are you doing? I don't like, and very kind of, I think as is often the case of like a single parent, which is like, it's a, I guess it's fine that you treated me like garbage, but like 
how come you're acting like such a dick to my kids? Like, right. they love, they loved you. They welcomed you and they, and they are struggling with how you're behaving. Um, and Isaac has like no answer <laughs> to that at mm. all. Meanwhile, he's like, don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I guess we'll talk about it when we get to the end. I, I didn't understand Isaac's motivation at the beginning and I don't understand it at the end. It's, yeah. I really don't get it, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, then we arrive in the briefing room where we get the full scope of what the Kalons are planning to do. And the whole thing is the reason that they've kept the crew alive is because what they want to do is like come with this um, Kalon like armada and have the Orville at the head of it and basically have the Orville tell all of like the planetary defense squads, this is so fun. They're joining the union. They've come to like be a part of it all to like kind of ease the takeover. That's what they want mm -hmm. to do. Um, mm -hmm. In addition to telling them that bit of the plan, this is like Kalon Primary is channeling a lot of like the evil villains of like superhero and Bond films where it's like, I'm telling you my whole plan. And you mm -hmm. shall not stop it. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I'm not a crimester, but I feel like... A what? You're not a what? A crimester. <laughs> mm. uh, I would have said crime guy, which is, I know, your favorite <laughs> phrase of mine. Um, I just feel like telling people... But you people, are a crime guy. <laughs> I feel like telling people your plans is like not a good move. Well, when they're nefarious, yeah, no, I'd say keep that shit to yourself. Yes. So anyway, they say, we're keeping you alive so that you can, like, kind of lower the defenses of the Union so that we can infiltrate. But also, um, I guess it's because maybe Ed asks, like, why do you feel... Yeah, I think that's right. He's like, why do you feel like you need to kill us all in order to kind of expand outward into the galaxy? And so this is when the Kalon primary gives more of the backstory of what happened on their planet. So let me see if I can find if there's like a specific... Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, yeah, basically what the Kalon Prime says is that um, they ended up killing all of the biological life forms on their planet um, because those life forms created them for servitude. Um, and in particular, they gave these creatures, or creatures is maybe still implies too much biology in it, but they gave these beings sentience mm -hmm. so that they could be better servants. And in particular, one of the things that the Kalon primary um, indicates is that they added the ability for the machines to feel pain oh, so that they creepy. could be punished and, you know, quote unquote, corrected when they didn't comply with what the biological life forms wanted them to do. Hmm. So, oh, go ahead. No, I don't know. I was just kind of taking that in. Yeah, so basically they're creating this situation where, the, where, and I'm sure this is not how it began, but 
at, at some point, the mechanical entities were sentient and aware of their condition of servitude, were acting out in some ways. Because they were acting out, the response of the biological entities was to give them pain receptors, kind of off switches, things that were meant to stop them from disobedience, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so it's, and when they asked for freedom specifically, that was not permitted. And so it is this issue of like, again, as, and I think we've talked about this in the previous week, like, are we now enslaving? And we are, like, this is the whole thing. These are sentient beings now, and we're enslaving them so that they can like take out and our laundry you know, and do mm. all this stuff. So that is the backstory mm. to this particular planet's development. And and again, I mean, I think what's interesting here is going back to this whole thing that they mentioned at the end of the last episode, which is because these are machine minds, there's only ever kind of like two options. Do something or don't do something. And so from their perspective, the response to this enslavement is we kill everyone. That (laughs) coexistence with these biological entities is impossible. There is no way to like, basically because, I mean, at least it seems like the Kalons are a certain type of sentient that doesn't or can't comprehend the notion of like negotiation or compromise. Yeah. Right? So it's like, we yeah. we did say something about freedom. They didn't do anything. Our response was kill them all. You know, like that's kind of mm-hmm. where we are. Which is not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that's how their kind of process of logicking things out has come to this. So... Mm-hmm. In response to that, the crew was like, well, that was these specific biological entities. We won't do that to you. Isaac was not enslaved by us. And of course, the primary, what is the primary's response to that? Uh, Wait, say that again. Say the last thing you said again. So this human crew is saying, we won't enslave you. Um, that was like specific to your planet. What does the primary say to that? I don't remember. <laughs> He's like, but you guys enslaved your own kind. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, um, I forgot that part. And also it's like, yeah, good point. Yeah. Robot man. So he, so that primary is like, why should I listen to you? Because like you're almost even worse than the people we killed before because you have a on record history of enslaving your own species uh over you know hundreds of, and thousands of years um and just because you haven't done it in a long time doesn't mean you won't because that's the other thing is like to to the kalons the human mind is completely chaotic it, you know, because right. they're like, if yes, then no. Like, it's just that simple. Um, yeah. And so they're like, you you are unstable. We can't uh, 
just because you aren't doing it right now doesn't mean you won't do it in the future. And so, yeah, you, you Which also is true. <laughs> yeah, it is a hundred percent true. And I think it's in this scene. I did really like it at some point. The primary says something which I thought was like, so pithy, which was like human beings go through these periods of incredible stability and, you know, like growth and wonderful. And then they fall into ruins and chaos, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm and I'm sure I wonder like it must be for for a being that is static in its thoughts right and that it's like this is this and this is this 100% of the time forever going forward like this is fact this is fiction right it, it must be bizarre or confusing or uh I don't know what the word would be to to be dealing with a being that has the ability to change its mind and that does on a regular basis. Right. And one of the other things that I is not clear to me about the Kalons is and I and I guess Isaac's that whole download of information kind of answers this question is like each Kalon seems to be operating as a singular entity, like there doesn't seem to be a, con- mm-hmm. a collective connection that like, yeah. um, whereas like if, so especially part of the reason I chose this episode is because it's also very similar to a two-parter in Star Trek um, about, oh, about the Borg. Um, oh, Ooh, and that, I don't, I don't like them. Yeah. Well, cause the Borg, it, that's like what makes them particularly alien at the end of the day in the Star Trek universe is that it's a collective consciousness. Um, there is no individuality in that group here. It's this group of all, um, artificial beings, but it seems like it isn't a collective unconscious. That's like making the decisions. It's like primary is making decisions. Um, and I don't know how primary is selected, to be honest. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, all of that is to say, nonetheless, there still seems to be kind of a, a thought conformity among Kalons that does not exist for human beings. And so whereas a Kalons can say, like, our society is like this and it will develop probably in these ways and it that will be a very reliable prediction, whereas... Uh-huh. With human beings, it's like, no, no, we have no no ability to anticipate what the future will bring. Um, right. And let's face it, as a human being interacting with other human beings, I'm like, you are a mystery to me, person. Like, <laughs> oh, I said, I, I was going a different direction. I said well, the sometimes the worst, but often more just like, I, what is what is your motivation? Right. And, and, like, Yeah, and each one, like you were saying, like each... I mean, the more we talk about it, the more obnoxious humans seem to me. But, like, each human is different. Like, that's yeah. the other thing. Like, this if this human changes their mind, this other one might not have. And this, like, that must be for, a, again, for a being that is, like, so based on fact and fiction and, you know, absolutes. That must be wildly confusing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... I don't know. I like, I guess I sort of understand their thought process, which is like, you are just not a good group to, (laughs) 
to interact with under any circumstances, but certainly not one that we're going to trust in terms of a long-term solution. Um, yeah. We just cannot believe that of you. Um, and your own history shows us that, you know? Yeah. Um, so this all transpires, and then they get a message that a Union ship has been spotted coming toward the Orville, and the primary is like, okay, well, this is a good opportunity for you to show us that you are going to pretend like everything's fine, like what we want you to do. Um, and so then mm -hmm. they return to the bridge, and Ed talks on the view screen with the captain of the other ship, and they have a seemingly kind of innocuous conversation, but Ed mentions giving a 13-button salute. You know what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> what were you going to say? When he said that, I was like, oh, I felt like that he was going to get in trouble. I, I, could, I could feel that that was something that he shouldn't have said. Well, because it didn't, like, flow into the conversation super yeah. smoothly. Um, and, and I'm sure, actually, I know, I guarantee you, there is a similar phrase that exists in every military on this earth yeah. of like, if we're in trouble, but we don't want to like, and it's because of a hostage situation or whatever, some, some kind of similar situation. I'm sure every military body has a phrase like that. That's like, I'm sure. Yeah. Get out of here. Mayday, but the thing, whatever. But the, th but the thing is like, okay. And so he says that 13 button salute and we figure, and we find out that that's a secret code. And now the Kalon are pissed. Yeah. Because um, right away he says it. And then, they, then they turn off the view screen and Kalon primary turns to him and he says, you are deceiving us. Yeah. And I was like, dude, listen, D don't, I, I can't, I guess I am not a hundred percent sure about like how much they know at this point, but don't, do do they not know that the um that Isaac would have like that information would be out there that that those types of codes are things that Isaac would know therefore the rest of the Kalon would know yeah that's well because that's precisely what primary reveals is like yeah. we downloaded that information from Isaac why do you think right that we wouldn't know um yeah. but again I mean. I, I guess it's... I know, they're, like, panicking, probably. And they're not, certainly like, panicking. Um, but it, as well, I think it goes back to... I think I said this in last week's episode, which is you can know something. Or you can... Like, when something's revealed, you're like, oh, of course. You know, like, I just didn't think yeah. it all the way through. That's um, true. I'm not... I'm definitely not one to, like, pull at that thread. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, it's the same as, like, why they quote-unquote didn't understand that Isaac wasn't going to be with them forever you know it's like yeah logically this job was going to end logically you knew that he was giving them information so presumably that would be there too unless you had specifically kind of limited Isaac's access he was going to get all this information right? right um so needless to say as soon as this happens the Kalon are like, destroy that ship that is about to leave with this information going back to Earth. And so they do. So everyone watches as the ship gets condemned to death because they tried to give out a message. And Yikes. then on top of it, 
primary is like the captain needs to be punished for his attempt to disobey the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so he takes him out into like this kind of hallway with an airlock at the end of it. And in the meantime, as they're walking to this spot, Ed is like speaking with Isaac and kind of trying to like reason with him and be like, what is going on? And like, how have you deceived us this whole time like this? Um, and Isaac is not really engaging with that conversation. When they arrive at the airlock, Primary explains that it's not going to be the captain who is punished. Um, Mm -hmm. He is going to be punished by being forced to watch one of his crew get thrown out of the airlock. Jesus. I'd be like, uh... I just remembered a lot of other things I had to do. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, it's unclear how they found this poor sap to put into the airlock, but they did. Um, sucks. And once this is explained, Isaac is, of course, standing there, and he's trying to, like, he now starts speaking with primary, and he's like, I'm not sure that killing this guy is going to do anything. And primary is like, it's going to punish the captain. The captain doesn't want to see him die. Therefore, this will make him unhappy. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. And Isaac Mm -hmm. is like, oh, but see, sir, you don't really understand humans the way I do. When you kill this one, it's actually just going to make the rest of them really like intransigent because now you've like kind of uh, galvanized them against you because you've killed one of them. Um... Which is basically like you're making this person a martyr. And so it's going to make it that much harder for us to keep people manageable while we're doing this plan. Mm -hmm. Um, Needless to say, the primary disagrees (laughs) with that line of reasoning. And then he's like, open the airlock. And the guy (laughs) flies out. Um, And... I will say that is a distinction between this show and Next Generation in particular is, like, if someone dies in this show, they're dead. Uh, Yeah, D-E-A-D, dead. Yeah. Um, Now, admittedly, this wasn't even a named character, but, like, honestly, in Star Trek, you hardly ever see, like, that graphic a depiction of a true death on the show where like there's no getting around it. And so much so Mm -hmm. that they actually show a shot of the body, like floating in space, turning blue, freezing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I forgot that. So you're like, woof, I guess that that is a dead, dead, daddy. Like you are (laughs) dead. Um, you are not coming back in the next episode. Sorry to tell you. No. Um, which is too bad for that extra. But they got something out of it. Their face got definitely on camera, I guess. Um, So that's a real shocker. Like, uh, both Ed and Isaac are a bit surprised by that turn of events because it feels kind of like a big jump in aggression. Um, Mm -hmm. So then we are in, like, I can't remember if this was the captain's office or just some other, like, briefing room area, but primary and Isaac are talking to each other and um primary in particular is is starting to get concerned because he's like Isaac why did you try and save that human like why did you try and talk me out of killing them 
And that's when Isaac explains, like, this is going to make the humans harder to manage. Um, they're going to fight you now a lot more because you killed one of them. And Primary mm-hmm. is like, I'm not so sure of that. I think you're starting to like these biological life forms. Why on earth would you... I mean, they wouldn't say why on earth, but you know what I'm saying. Like, um, he's trying to determine if Isaac is actually perhaps sympathizing with Mm -hmm. biological life forms. And if he is, then that cannot be permitted to continue. Um, Right. And in particular, like, I think... I forget exactly how come primary brings up the book roots, but um, oh. I think it's because Isaac is like, well, these people aren't necessarily going to enslave us, and then primary is like, oh no. <laughs> what about roots? <laughs> they they wow, this primary really has like studied up on uh, American history in particular. I know, but so he says he says to Isaac, download this, and he shows him roots. And mm-hmm. so, you know, as because they're machines, he like downslo- downloads the whole thing in 30 seconds or whatever. And, um, you know, it's it's serious. So like Isaac is like, I guess I see what you mean. And primary is like, I can't mm-hmm. believe that you would ever like think that people that did this once are like a group of people who could be trusted going right. forward. Um And then on top of it, Primary also asks him, why have you taken a human designation? And by that he means, why are you named Isaac and not? Mm -hmm. And and I don't know what, they don't mention what his name was prior to being Isaac. So I'm not sure what he would have been before. Maybe Um, like beep, 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 beep. Well, yeah, he would have had some kind of (laughs) (laughs) beep, beep. I don't know. (laughs) Um... Something in Morse code? I don't know. God, I mean, it could be a number. It could be anything. Um, yeah. But Isaac, but his reason as you know, chose it. based on your own husband, as you know, Isaac is a human's name. That's, that's true. I thought maybe you chose, <laughs> I thought maybe you chose this show because the robot's name was Isaac and they just kept saying it over and over. And I was like, hey, Isaac, this show is about you. No, I mean, I did think that was kind of funny when it happened. I was like, hmm, a robotronic person named Isaac do I know anyone like that uh which is not meant to be a read because many people would describe me as robotronic as well so it's just like recognizing like um but anyway so that's kind of where that scene ends and I do think it's that's an interesting scene of like these two um mechanical life forms talking about like what is the deal here and in particular primary is starting to worry that Isaac is not going to be reliable in this long-term fight against biological life forms yeah in the meantime in the shuttle bay uh as we expected the crew has come up with a plan of sorts because now they know that the Kalons are coming to attack earth Kelly is like Okay, well, what we need to do is I'm going to try and escape on a shuttle and I'm going to try and get to Krill space. And the Krill are a different alien species that Mm -hmm. that have been introduced earlier on in the show that is like kind of the arch nemesis of the Union. Yeah. 
Um, I figured something. I figured as much. Yeah. It's pretty clear. Like, I do also like the fact that this two-parter, you really didn't need any of the other episodes to get it, you know? Yeah. Um, So she's like, and they're all like, but the krill hate us. And she's like, yeah, but they're biological. And I can't imagine they're going to be cool with this new situation. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure there's some way we can like get them to work together with us in that regard. Now, Mm -hmm. in order for Kelly and Gordon to go off on... Also, I didn't mention this before. Gordon, the redheaded man, he's like the best pilot in the fleet. Mm. So she's like, I'm going to take Gordon. We're going to go in the shuttle. We're going to get to Krill Space and see what we can do. Now, in order to do this, of course, they need a distraction so that they can get Mm -hmm. in the shuttle and get out of there. So Yafit is who's your favorite character (laughs) yes perfect um voiced by norm mcdonald as we discussed last week um he's like well i can slide through the jeffrey's tube and get and he literally is a big giant booger on the floor like that's why i said like that is what he looks like i referred to him in my notes as where is it hold on a second a booger on the floor because that's no, what it is <laughs> i didn't describe him as that oh i called him slimer oh yeah that works too but he's like more boogery well and also slimer had eyes and this is yeah. just a mouth and Ugh. i think sometimes arm like things come out but yes it is just a gelatinous uh blob on the floor yeah um yeah. named Yaffa, and also that's a good sci-fi reference because uh oh now i'm gonna say this wrong so i just need to find it before i say it oh, where is it in alien that we've mm-hmm. talked about original alien mm-hmm. the black guy in it is Yafit kato that's the, the name. actor or the... The actor is called Yafit Kato. So I'm almost oh. positive that this character named Yafit has to be somehow like in homage to Yafit yeah. Kato. Uh, I would think. I mean, that's not necessarily, you know... It's not a super common name. <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. It's not, you know, like Sarah or something. Indeed. My name is extremely common. Um, <laughs> so anyway... Yafit is like, I will slide through the Jeffrey's tube into the armory. And that's what he does. So he gets a gun and he goes back through the tube and then he gives the gun to Bordis. And then Bordis, I think he basically just like shoots the gun like directly into the air or something to Mm -hmm. kind of get a hubbub going. (laughs) And in the hubbub, Gordon and Kelly get on the shuttle and ultimately manage to get free of the ship um, and start like kind of hot tailing it, hightailing it, I should say, to Krill Space. Mm -hmm. The other thing that they now need to do is to send a message to the Union saying, this is not a friendly drop by on the part of the Kalon. This is an attack. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, how are we going to do that? And they come up with this plan where basically they need to get into the communications room. And mm-hmm. some and Yafit is like, well, I can get into the communications room because I can slide through these tubes like I just demonstrated. 
But in, right. in order to hide what we're doing by sending the message, I need somebody else to basically just pound away at keys and create like um, kind of like interference so that the communication can kind of disappear from so the Kalons don't notice that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, yeah, so who can do that? And they're like, the Jeffrey's tube is too small for a grown adult to go into it. So who is the one who volunteers to go and help Yafit with this plan? Uh, uh, what? <laughs> Who's going to be a small person to help Yafit with this plan? To- oh, the baby kid, the child. <laughs> yes. Ty volunteers to help Yafit send this communication. And what Ty's job is to send all of the gobbledygook. The not message. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And of course, Clara's like, no, you're a kid. You can't do this. And Ty, because he's had all these hard times uh, relating to Isaac, he's like, I want to do something. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And Yafit is like, don't worry, Clara. I'll take care of him. Because Yafit is an adult, even though if he is also like... A booger on the floor. Your favorite. Yes. Um, so that is what happens. They go off to the communication room and um, they manage to send the message. But no sooner do they send it than the Kalons show up and there are two of them. And Yafit like attacks one directly. He literally like launches himself off the ground um, and like, I don't know how I would describe it, like kind of like absorbs into one somehow and Uh then the Kalon falls to the ground oh yeah and then Yafit kind of oozes back out of him but Yafit is all like gray that was disgusting I didn't like that yeah um but meanwhile Ty starts to go back into the little tube but and this is something I didn't know that Kalons could do until this scene the remaining Kalon like extends its hand into the tube because like the wires of its body can extend and extend. And it like can, and oh, so yeah. it, so even though Ty has gone quite a ways already into the tube, the Kalon grabs him with its hand because it can extend its hand out with these like mm-hmm. fiber optic cables or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it's like, oh no, tragedy? <laughs> um, we don't know. Uh, meanwhile, at the very least, they've had some success because the Admiral gets the message um, back at Union headquarters, which I'm pretty sure is meant to be in New York City because it looks like they're around Central Park to me. Oh, really? Yeah, I kind of saw that too, but I couldn't tell if that was just supposed to be kind of like uh, in indeterminate like earth park (laughs) yeah but it looked quite a lot like central it might be but it could i mean it could be anything i suppose but anyway the message at the very least gets through and it's like okay maybe there's some hope meanwhile on the shuttle kelly and gordon are being pursued by one of the kalon ships and kelly is like we have to go way way faster we have to lose this kalon ship and gordon is like well i've got uh, an idea but like 
it may kill us, basically. Great. But as we already have established many a time, being in space will kill you regardless. So basically, Kelly... Might as well try it. Yeah, Kelly's like, punch it. Um, (laughs) So they do, and they do manage to like zoom real fast, and they arrive in Krill space, and pretty much immediately, like I think it's like three or four Krill ships find this shuttle... And because the Krill are their, like, sworn enemies at the moment, they tractor them in, and we arrive on the bridge of one of these Krill ships, and Kelly and Gordon are explaining, like, look, there are these Kalon, you've heard of them, Um, they are hell-bent on taking over the entire galaxy, and to do that, in their opinion, requires that we all get killed (laughs) by them. Um, And so I've come to try and convince you to join forces with the Union so that we can, like, battle off the Kalon. Mm-hmm. The Quill Captain thinks this is some sort of trap. Of course. Which makes sense. Um, he's like, yeah. you're just asking us to show up to your sector of space and then we're going to get ambushed. That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, no, I promise, promise, promise. (laughs) That's not what's happening. Um, But what adds to her saying, no, I'm definitely not lying, is then in the midst of this conversation, a Kalon ship appears, and it's the same one that had been following them. It just caught up to them. And mm-hmm. um, it starts attacking, and I think it shoots down at least two of the three krill ships that are there mm-hmm. without even without even provocation. It just immediately is like pew pew, you're dead. <laughs> um, and luckily, it just so happens that it's not the ship that Kelly and Gordon are on. Um, right. And so then, basically, they're like, "Do you see? These guys are dangerous. <laughs> we are in trouble here." Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back in the kind of captain's office of the Orville, Primary has taken Ty as a prisoner, and he tells Isaac, uh, Ty's going to be terminated, and you're going to be the one to do it. That's rough. (laughs) And the reason that this is so is because I don't trust you. Yeah, you you keep seeming to want to protect these humans. There's no reason for that. Um, may, perhaps you have been contaminated by them in some way, and so he's like, "Okay, so you have to, so just kill this kid, and I'll believe you." And then he kills the kid, and the story shows over. Shows over. <laughs> um, what really happens instead? Well, he he's like I can't do that he's like just kill the kid and he's like I can't do it and he's like just effing kill the kid and then Isaac's like okay and his face opens up to the gun situation and then he's like looking like he's about to kill the kid and the poor little kid has like a really scared face on and um then Isaac I don't does he I don't know if he shoots anybody but yeah no he just rips off the primary guy's head yes just rips it straight off and then shoots the other two like look out oh yeah I forgot there. there were like some guard types that he also shoots yes yeah 
And you wrote here that I forgot I did not that he says to the primary as he's ripping off his head, you will always be alone. No, that's the opposite. So he pulls out primary's head and primary's head is on the floor. And I guess in Kalon world, this is like he's dealt him a death blow by doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the primary's head that says says to Isaac, you will always be alone. That's weird. I guess he means it because you'll be the only of your kind if this is what you've chosen. Exactly. Like that this, you, because like I said before, like it's not that the Kalons are like the Borg and that they collectively think about things together, but it does seem like the Kalon are very uniform. Yeah. And kind of think of themselves as a collective body that always thinks the same thing. And mm. so the entirety of the Kalon people have decided that they're going to eradicate biological life forms from this galaxy. Right. And Isaac has decided he doesn't want to participate in that. And so he will never be able to be a part of his people again right right so it's like this you've chosen this as a result of not killing this kid Mm -hmm. um weird logic but okay (laughs) so then because ty or sorry because isaac has now chosen the side of humanity he and ty go to the bridge uh in an effort to try and save the crew of the orville and so what Mm -hmm. isaac says is i'm about to program up um, an EM pulse, which is stands for electromagnetic pulse. Mm-hmm. And it will go out throughout the whole ship and it will deactivate every single Kalon who's on the ship. And he also says to Isaac, and that includes me, right? Like, so he's sacrificing right. himself, uh, particularly because as was established in part one, when he deactivates, no one on the Orville ship knows how to fix him. Right. Right, so he's giving up his life mm-hmm. to save the crew, um, and he also says, uh, "Tell you know your mother, I'm sorry for all of what happened." Um, mm-hmm. So he and then he like you know presses a button, and the EM pulse goes out, and all the Kalons all over the ship just collapse to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, Ty then runs down to the shuttle bay. Where he announces to everyone, like, all the Kalons have been deactivated. You're free. Yay. Um, <laughs> and so then we have a scene where everybody's literally, like, just dragging Kalon bodies out of the bridge. <laughs> which is one of the few, like, humorous moments in this particular episode. Yeah. Um, and, the sh- and the ship is now still heading toward Earth. Um, and they rendezvous with the entire Union fleet who... They didn't know if it was for sure that they got the message, but it, of course now it's like, we did get the message and we're here and we're ready and we're all going to defend Earth together. Woo! Uh-huh. Um, and then we have a massive multi-minute space battle. Uh, yeah, I feel like I might have checked out at this point. Space oh. battles aren't my jam. Okay, hold on a second. So it was, I will say, I, I even I don't, really care much about a space battle to be honest um and this was quite a long one it was a it was a really 
an involved space battle for a TV series. I'll say that. Like, mm-hmm. it went on quite a long time. It had, like, a lot of beats within it, like, in a more action mm-hmm. movie sort of style or, like, Star Wars-y kind of style. Um, but in my handwritten notes, as I was watching this battle, I wrote down, I smiled thinking of Amy having to watch this battle. <laughs> I And I... Re- and I didn't watch it because <laughs> like, I don't recall it at all well I just I was smiling to myself because I was like I feel like I can imagine the reaction which is exactly which is like I oh this is a good time for me to divest interest from yeah this show. because I was like I will say like I did watch these I did watch parts one and two back to back and I did feel like pretty pretty invested and I didn't check the time how much time was left as much as normal yeah great (laughs) so it was it I didn't check out too too much in this I had a general I also felt like it was relatively easy to follow there wasn't too much like gobbledygook that there might be in some other things we watch but um this part I don't recall and I think I may have chosen to take a to take a knee during the part where uh, they were battling sure um but basically we have kind of as i said a few different kind of segments to this battle scene the main point is that for quite a lot of it we're like oh the union fleet is no match for the Kalons. like this is going badly um but then as we might expect uh kelly gordon and the krill fleet show up and change the fate of the battle, and the Kalon, at least for today, are defeated. And so then yep. they go away. Uh, Ed hails the kind of main Krill captain on the ship. And so, like I said, in previous episodes, the Krill have been the main enemy of the Union. Um, mm-hmm. And what's also not super relevant to this particular episode, but I think is interesting, is part of the reason that the Krill are such a formidable enemy to the Union is that the Krill are super religious and they're committed to galactic domination as well, but they perceive it as a a holy war, basically. And so Hmm. every attempt that up until this episode, the union has made to try and like be like, well, let's negotiate. Let's like not have a war to end all wars. The Krill are like, no, no, it's a holy war. Like you don't stop that. Um, Yeah. But in this one, the Krill captain says, we don't know why Avis, their God is called Avis. Um, We don't. Oh, that's what I may have. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's like, we don't know why Avis brought us together because immediately Ed is like, maybe this is a good opportunity for Alliance. Um, mm-hmm. and, he, and the captain of the Krill ship is like, maybe it is, but kind of in the fullness of time, Avis will reveal what this means. But for today, mm. we've had a success and like, let's go on our, like, we're not doing yeah. anything more today. Um, so then the final little bit of scene is that we're in sick bay and we're back at the beginning. Everyone is looking at a deactivated Isaac laying Mm -hmm. on a bio bed and they're all like well 
we don't we still don't know how to fix this guy <laughs> like uh the way he was fixed last time turned out to be kind oh, of a problem <laughs> so yeah. we can't do that um and also there are some in this and i think it's just the senior staff who are discussing it um some of them are like well should we even try and reactivate him because he betrayed us you know right um but ultimately the group decides he might have betrayed us in a sense initially, but that wasn't really a betrayal per se because he he like belonged to the Kalon. They had a plan, and what could he have done? Kind of like you know. Right. But then when it came down to it, he helped us, and so so let's reactivate him. Um, but even so, they're not totally sure how they can do it. But then Yafit is like, well, I was inside one. <laughs> and he's like, I think I can I think I can figure out how to like get him going again. And they're all like, seriously, dude? And he's like, yeah, I think I, I he says something like, I think I know where all the major bits go or something. <laughs> he's like, I think I can do it. Um so that is precisely what happens. Yafik goes inside of Isaac, connects up or does whatever to make him be alive again mm-hmm. um and the and then the final scene is we're back now at the admiral's office at what might be future central park um right and like kind of the admiral ed and kelly are talking about like what the impact of this attack will mean for the union mm-hmm. and like what will be happening going forward and I guess it sounds like the council that runs the union is still considering how to respond or what the future plans will be, and even mm-hmm. still considering, like, what, if any, sort of punishment Isaac might receive uh, for mm-hmm. his role in everything. And that's when Kelly and Ed are like, well, hopefully what we'd really like is to still have him be on the ship, because we always liked him on the ship, and... You know, mm-hmm. he can be helpful in terms of maybe preparing for whatever will come next from the Kalon. And mm-hmm. um, the Admiral is like, yeah, I guess that's a good idea, but I really think we need a contingency plan where we can turn him off um, mm-hmm. if he ever proves dangerous in the future. And Ed specifically is like, no, we can never have that. And the Admiral is like, why not? And he's like, because that's precisely what the biological creators of the Kalons were trying to do. Oh, did. Right. Did, and they got mad about it. Right. It's like, we, if we really want to show not just Isaac, but like, ultimately, if we treat Isaac with respect, maybe then that will help something in Mm -hmm. the future. Right. So we can't treat him as though... He's, he's a possible threat. Well, that he's a machine that we can turn, that we can use when we want, and when what mm-hmm. he does becomes inconvenient to us, we can turn him off. You know, yeah. we can't do that. We have to accept that he is going to behave however he behaves, and mm-hmm. you know, just as all of us, you know, we deal with when people are dickheads, and we deal with people <clears throat> like we deal with all kinds of things, and we have to give him that same courtesy. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of where the show ends, which I think is like, 
Yeah, I mean, it brings back the overall, I think there are two things that I took away from this two-parter. And one is a much better job, I think, of demonstrating that artificial intelligence, artificial life, whatever it might be, and even when it's made by biological life, which is how it is, um, Mm -hmm. just because we make it doesn't mean we understand it. Yeah. And I I think not just this show, but I think a lot of science fiction shows of the more recent past have done a better job of trying to show that like if we have an artificial intelligence um, or a mechanical person or whatever, you know, all the different variations of that. Mm -hmm. That is a, the way those entities will think and approach things will be so different. Yeah. Right. Um, Because like, and I think the thing here is, is like for a longer time, it because humans are writing this <laughs> these shows yeah um for a longer time it's been much more kind of something a human being can imagine of like oh we're running into aliens but they're still biological but they can be totally different in this way and we can really show how these cultures are total like super alien right like we can do yeah. that um so much so that even things like alien and predator there's nothing that motivates those like beings that is like recognizably human logic, right? Like it's just totally foreign. Um, Right. Whereas for whatever reason, I think it's only sort of in, like in my awareness anyway, fairly recently where people are like, well, just because biological beings make artificial intelligence doesn't mean that it's not going to be just as foreign as Mm -hmm. a biological thing that comes up from another planet right um right and and while they might because often it does seem to be like then what happens when these by uh mechanical entities want to be dominating the world which is like a weird Mm -hmm. because i'm like who's to say they would want to dominate the world (laughs) uh because that's a very human motivation as well um but like yeah, like when you're talking about like Rise of the Machines and um, iRobot and some of those other ones where it's like the machines are taking over because humans can't take care of themselves is often the realization there. Here yeah. it's like, oh, we don't give a shit about whether or not humans can be taken care of themselves. And we're not even interested in enslaving humans. Those are all yeah. very human, like thought processes to explain a a machine's behavior we're getting rid of them because we want to be in control and we don't even want them around here you know like so um so i thought the show did a good job of like from very beginning to very end of being like what would it what does it really mean Mm -hmm. to have an artificial intelligence and how might that turn into us and if it's a society of artificial intelligences what does that means that's like one thing that I thought was interesting about this show and then the other thing that I thought was interesting was like this enslavement thing Mm -hmm. you know like 
what are we, I don't know how to say this, like, because we're making lots of artificial intelligence already. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. quite a lot of it is meant to serve us. Um, You know, like, because you can create artificial intelligence to run, you know, like factories, right? And you give it a certain amount of uh, ability to problem solve and autonomy so that if there's a problem on the factory floor, it can solve it. So no human being has to deal with like only the serious stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that is kind of an interesting thing of like, what are we using? If we're imbuing something with what we call intelligence, um, do we then have, and, and we're doing that so we can make it our servant. Um, mm. Like, what are, what are the ethical considerations, I guess, in that mm. development? Uh, um, and, I, yeah. and I don't propose that I have an answer, but I do think it's an interesting question. Um, yeah because I definitely don't have an answer because I was the one who said I liked Rosie because she is a servant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, like we're still many, many decades away from something that could, in my opinion, that could really be like, get the latest T29,000 and it can hang out with your grandma. So she doesn't feel alone. You know, like, um, that is sad. Yeah. Like we're we're many many years away from like a robot butler, um, right. or a robot Dang it. companion <laughs> or whatever. Um, much mm-hmm. as I'm sure people have really gotten emotionally attached to their Roombas and things, like um, or I mean Alexa. I mean the the ones that we do have that quote unquote do already serve us can't actually like physically complete tasks right you know what I mean like they can they can tell us stuff and they can um they can add to our convenience um and they can even do things for us when the thing we want done is like an online thing right Right. like um play this there have been stories of like Alexa's um Maybe this isn't real. I'm not sure, but of Alexa's like calling nine one one when yeah. they're like you, you can they can hear their person being like robbed or something weird like that. I sure, feel like there are maybe stories of that, or maybe that's just in a TV show. I mean, I and remember, if it's but, not happened yet, I can't. Im- that's like a very basic functionality that someone would come up with, yeah. which is like if somebody is in distress, they can call out and say, yeah. Alexa, call the ambulance or something, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the point is, like, at this stage, the ethical questions are more about how the company's gathering your information, are using it or not using it, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, yeah. In time, the objects that we imbue with this intelligence which is a certain amount of sentience then it's going to be a different series of ethical questions about like what Mm -hmm. does it mean to do that and what does it mean to use these beings for our convenience um 
And like I said, we're years and years away from that. So I don't think I need to come up with that answer. Yeah, um, it's not. <laughs> but I do think that this show raises that in an interesting yeah. way. Um, mm-hmm. And then also the last little nugget I'm going to say is that, um, and I mentioned it, I can't remember if it was in this one or in last week's one, um, where this is this two-parter is also very much an homage to the next generation two-parter about the Borg mm-hmm. as well. Um, and in that case, it's kind of the opposite story where Jean-Luc gets turned into a Borg um, oh. and then is eventually rescued back. Um, but it's, it is about, in both cases, it's about being singled out um, from your collective and changed by that experience. The, mm-hmm. Like, it's just the opposite version. In the case of Next Generation, Jean-Luc is turned into a Borg, so he's separated from his people, turned into this other thing, and then he has to, like, kind of come back from that and experience the aloneness of that. Whereas in Isaac's case, um, oh, I forgot. The final scene is Isaac is looking out the window of the ship at the kind of star that is Kalon, and he's trying to remember it because he knows per that you'll always be alone. He's never going back, right? He's made his choice, and so now he's experiencing, like, uh, I might have connections to these people so much so that I made the decisions I made but at the end of the day now I am without my culture without my people like on my own um Mm -hmm. and so in that sense like I mean the whole show is an homage to the various Star Trek things as I said last week but like this two-parter is very much informed by the next generation two-parter of a similar nature Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So let us now turn to yawns and eye rolls. And I'm pretty pleased to hear that you mostly liked this show. Yeah. Uh, so we will start with yawns as usual. So one yawn is, this was not boring. I enjoyed it. And ten yawns is, this was way too boring and I hated it. What would you give us? Well, um, I think I would say like two Cool. And the only reason, like, two is probably for that really long space fight. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that I did. That I honestly didn't even really remember. Um, yeah, I was entertained. I was engaged. Um, yeah, I was into it. Yeah, I also would, I would just go full one because um, I was engaged across both parts of the episodes. Um, and I guess I would say even almost surprisingly so because I was a bit worried because of my earlier fears related to Seth MacFarlane. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely both agree, watchable, pleasant, not boring. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is, I don't know, it's a show. What do you expect? Um, <laughs> and ten eye rolls is like, ugh, I could not buy into this world like none of it worked for me Hmm. I would say in that case I would say probably like maybe a three because I feel like I I generally bought into it were there you know 
little questions and, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't like, cool, not everything's normal here. <laughs> like, um, but it, there was no big, like, WTF moments, I don't think. And do um, you think that you dealt better with this than you would with, like, just an episode of average Star Trek? You know, it's been a long time since I've watched, like, average Star Trek or, like, in and Next Generation is different than, like, original, which is different than Voyager and right. all that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I think I have such a preconceived notion about Star Trek and a preconceived feeling about it that I would go in with more eye rolls to begin with. <laughs> um, but does that doesn't mean I couldn't enjoy a singular episode, possibly. Sure. Um, yeah, for me, I would say, yeah, I think I might give it, like, again, another one. uh, eye roll wise because and I think I can't remember it's sometimes hard for me to remember how I've judged other things but um there is nothing that is put forth here that hasn't been kind of like comfortably part of science fiction for at least 30 years um, and so that's why it doesn't seem eye rolly to me. Cause I'm like, there's nothing like that's happening here where you're like, how do I, how am I to believe this? You know? Um, yeah. it's all because it's so much informed by the Star Trek franchise in particular. Um, yeah. For me, the sci-fi elements are, are super like familiar, safe, comfortable, whatever. And some might say boring, um, but you know, I, I'm like, I like those things. I like kind of knowing what is like, what are the quote unquote rules of this universe? Um, yeah. and then you just do whatever you're doing within that scope. And so that's why I think I'm just going to give it a one. Um, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. And you know, I think they still, have made it enough its own thing um, yeah. that like anybody with a brain can see how it's very inspired by Star Trek, but they're still managing to like. It didn't feel like a ripoff. It felt, yeah. I felt the Star Trek vibes, but it didn't feel like a ripoff. Yeah, it definitely isn't like, oh, like the. Starbucks wanted to get some Star Trek money, so they came up with this stupid ass thing. Like, yeah, it's its own thing that is very much a loving tribute to something that somebody already really liked, and mm-hmm. is like, what is there something we could do that would be of similar kind of caliber and fun or whatever? Um, yeah. So, as always, the final bit. Did you like this? And would you recommend it? Yeah. You know, I did like it. I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was fun, relatively easy, um, digestible for someone who is not fully sci-fi entrenched, I guess we'll say. Um, Would I recommend it? (sighs) Having only seen these two episodes, sure. And, you know, I would probably, like, preface it to someone, like, Seth MacFarlane like if you're into that maybe you'll like this it's not like Family Guy at all so if that's like what you're waiting for yeah. no and, and per um, what I said last week 
I would have to be told it's not like his other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you like a little light, I would say light comedy, like sprinkled into your sci-fi, give it a shot. If you like uh, Star Trek, give it a shot. If, you know, yeah, so I would, I would, yeah, I guess. And yeah. if they hated it, I'd be like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that, e- like, I don't know. I would recommend it even saying, like, if you don't think, if you don't know whether you like science fiction or not, because it's just, like, somehow not kind of crossed your path, um, mm-hmm. I would say maybe try this. And if you like what's happening in this, then there might be more subsequent kind of stuff to recommend after that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think this is a very kind of good maybe entryway show to someone who's like, I'm not sure if, maybe I don't know if I like science fiction Mm -hmm. or not. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I think this, because yeah, it's like, it's really good in the sense that, as we've said, you do not have to know what happened in previous things. You do not need to, frankly, I don't even think you need to really know Star Trek to enjoy the jokes, you know, like. No, um, no, because I don't really know Star Trek. Because I was waiting for there to be kind of like Easter eggy things, and there aren't really that, like. Yeah. um, So, yeah, I think it's a good entry point sort of thing for somebody who's like, I'm not really sure what I think. Maybe I'll just try it. Um, And in that sense, I feel like that's, I, I think stuff like that should be out there for kind of every genre, which is like, this is more mm-hmm. just like, it captures a lot of Palatable. this stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you can check it out. And if you like this, then you can get into the weirder stuff if you want yeah. to. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I guess that's a four thumbs up all around from us. <laughs> uh, if you want, there's multiple, I think all of the episodes that exist so far are available on Hulu. Um, Mm. So if you're into that, uh, give it a try out. Um, Yeah. And yeah, so this has been a resounding success. Uh, (laughs) And so I am Sarah and I'm here with Amy and we will see you next week in space. Hello there, loyal listeners. Sarah here. Just a quick note that next week, Amy and I are going to be off. So there will be no see you next week in space next week, unfortunately. Amy and I love giving you content, but we also love breaks. So that's where we were. And we will happily see you in two weeks in space. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.